0: One thing I've learned is, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever your job is—if it's cleaning toilets or kimbling in the factory—you respect people at every level.
1: We are very excited to welcome our special guest for today's tea talks episode, Miss Oriole Frank, one of the co-founders of Elemis, a visionary woman pioneering the roadmap for innovation, balanced through sustainability and reducing carbon emissions across Elemis company. One thing the world or part of the world started realizing during the pandemic is that everything connects to everything else. The simple fact that our very physical survival depends directly on nature. How do you feel the above statement connects to Elemis and the ingredients you use to formulate your products?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think just... I'd like to first of all just talk to you about really that first lockdown. It was a real moment in time, wasn't it, that I won't ever forget. And, and I was managing director of the UK at the time, and the initial lockdown was something none of us could have foreseen. Uh, nothing had prepared me uh, in my job to do that, and we had no concept of what was going to happen and, and how long for. And literally overnight, we left our offices, we set up home offices, and we were thankful that we had recently installed teams so we could work quite efficiently. But, you know, air travel stopped, skies were clear, we stopped commuting to work, and we had to adapt to a new norm. So that real fundamental mindset change came into my world of Elemis. And, you know, I suppose after the initial sort of crisis management, you know, which was very stressful for everyone, you know, we shut down sort of 50% of our business, closed down overnight. But then we kind of had to regroup as a team. And we really personally found, you know, that we were, there was a sense of quiet and calm. Obviously, the air was less polluted. And I personally remember feeling sort of far more conscious of nature and of the climate and and of all the waste, because you're at home the whole time, all the waste you were creating and, and how to maybe we should really address this. And it really made me sort of strongly evaluate our business at Elemis. I'd been there for over 25, 30, nearly 30 years. And it just made me realize how important it is and for the future of this to look at every aspect of our supply chain. And it gave us a moment to really think about what we were doing as a company that was doubling and tripling our business. But what was the impact on the environment? On the planet, and it gave us some time to really look at everything from the soil to the field to the face. You know what was that impact? And it also made me realise how sort of fragile our planet is, and and how our actions that we've become very kind of like throwaway society, and that really that we have to take responsibility. And you know, governments will try and change things in the way we work, but actually. In the beauty industry, which is what I'm championing through CEW and the British Beauty Council, we as a brand and as a company need to take responsibility. And that starts from your formulation. So when you create a formula, you need to think about what happens to that formulation once somebody uses it. If it's in a wash-off formula... Uh, you know, is the product biodegradable when it goes into the water system? And, and these are things that I've been learning about in this whole sort of new world that we're thinking. So we now have a new mandate that all new product development has to aim to be over 95% biodegradable. It was a real time when, actually, that's when I was appointed during this time to be on the board of directors. And they asked for a board director to be a champion of sustainability. And uh, it really meant taking to pieces our current business and looking at a five-year vision to rebuild it in a more sustainable way. That goes right back to to sourcing the ingredients, what we're putting into it, but right through to the packaging, the environmental, the carbon footprint and how people are physically using the product.
1: That's what I wanted to ask you. How do you feel the LMS consumer has changed as a result of COVID-19 and how, how we have adapted actually to that? challenge or to this change?
0: Yeah I mean the consume. it was an interesting time you know we saw the consumer in our world of beauty the consumer was at home they had far more uh, time in their own space so skincare actually boomed makeup dropped off everyone was wearing masks no one was wearing lipstick no one was putting any makeup on so you know, as an industry, we, we, do, we don't do any makeup. We specialize in good quality skincare. We found people were really focusing on, you know, their cleansing, the basics, the cleansing, the moisturizing, and actually taking a little bit of me time, a mm-hmm. bit of self time, you know. And we just saw our online business, our mediums that, for instance, TV shopping, um, social shopping, virtual consultations just went like that considering the rest of the business to shut down. We had all of our spa business shut down, all our retail business shut down.
1: You actually had consumers asking you how to use your products when you say online uh, consultation and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: we we had to really pivot. I mean,
1: overnight, our business changed.
0: And we set up a group and, and it was called Mission Possible. And we came up with a whole group of initiatives to review our business and change our business we had to change our education system. You know, we used to always teach in a school or in a classroom environment. So we had to immediately adapt all of our education to online education.
1: As far as education, <laughs> I think you're saying that, what what is that very special thing that you had to learn or unlearn with regards to the brand's ethos and how your, actual, your, your role has changed over the years?
0: I mean, my role has changed hugely. Um, over the years. I've always been a a lover of brand um, and product development has always been in everything, my DNA and everything I do. But having to champion sustainability, like, you know, I felt I didn't know enough and I had to learn. I had to go back and do some self-teaching. So I looked online for courses and I had lots of people recommend and Cambridge University do a fantastic leadership course on sustainability. And that was a real education. I was doing my day job and looking after my three kids as well. But I was also studying and it was an
1: eight-week course. Was it a crash course? And it was, it was on it, what? On biodiversity it was, or?
0: It was on leadership skills and sustainability. Okay. And there was about 700 students around the world all studying. Um, very broad, but it started off with sort of addressing the world of sustainability in your own industry. Mm -hmm. and recognizing what the issues were in your business. And from there, you had to build a case to really fight for it within your company. And then you started to create the roadmap for your business.
1: Okay, so what are the things that Elemis supports when it comes to biodiversity action? (coughs) Well, I mean, we're very fortunate because we're part of a group
0: called the Tan Group Mm -hmm. who spearhead biodiversity. And it's all about protecting and restoring nature's biodiversity. And we're looking both within the value chain and outside of the value chain. So what does that mean? That's about reducing the impact of our production. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at how much water is being used in our production and can we recycle that water? We're looking at the land. We're looking at how the land is being used to actually manufacture our, our ingredients Um, The eco-design of the formulation, that's something I hadn't even thought about. The biodegradability and the ingredients. Every single ingredient we're using is coming from somewhere. We're looking at how we uh, sustainably source materials. And it's it's really going back to the grassroots of your ingredients. Mm -hmm. And we set up a new charter for our formulation and how we would formulate. And we also have put in new mandates as part of our formulation. So all our new products, we're now looking at organic or a a fair trade ingredients or certified ingredients. So we have a bit more traceability. We've got two massive initiatives going on. We've got an initiative to ensure that we have full traceability of all our ingredients. So we're about 98% of the way there, which is pretty amazing. And it's got to go right down to the plant material and where it's been grown. So this has been quite a big initiative. We actually, uh, there was over 800 raw materials that we've been investigating and making sure we understand that traceability. And then also looking at the palm derivatives. Obviously, you know, there's a big issues around palm oil. We don't actually have palm oil, but we do have derivatives. So we've joined something called the RSPO. And it's important that we then have over all of our palm derivatives, our RSPO, they're, they're farmed in a very respectful way what is an RSPO? It's respecting the growing of palm oil and the way it's grown uh, in a specialist way um, so that our derivatives are all traceable back. And obviously, as you formulate, you know, you're really trying to get rid of any ingredient that is uh, going to be damaging to the environment that might be harmful. And and you're looking at how to sort of make a better product, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then alongside that, we're actually really, it's quite exciting. We're looking at new initiatives for um, growing our ingredients. And I think it's important to stress you know, Elements isn't about an organic brand or a natural brand. We look at a really balanced approach where an ingredient, for instance, we have something called chlorella. Mm-hmm. You collect the chlorella and then you grow it in a lab environment. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, allows you to be quite sustainable because you're not going to damage by overproduction or taking something out of the earth. So I think this is going to be something that we're going to see. And it's not about genetically modifying. It's actually just about growing in a lab environment. Mm -hmm. Um, There are very rare ingredients like edelweiss, which you can't farm, but you can actually slice it splice the edelweiss and you can take the stem cells
1: and you can re-culture and regrow those in a lab environment. So the stem cells of an edelweiss, really? Yes.
0: Like so it's really interesting to, to look at how you can take nature and actually then keep that in a scientific environment without changing it, but you can keep growing it without damaging to the environment. It's about a balance between the science and the nature.
1: Tatoy Club supports the environmental performance and a holistic approach in all areas of our operations by working with suppliers, clients, partners, members, and the community. Would you agree that sustainable development begins with those you work with to create products?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's so important. You need to look at your total value chain. You know, when you look at LMS, it it goes right down. The ingredient supplier, I visit my ingredient suppliers. some of our
1: farmers. Those farmers are locals, right?
0: Yeah, some local and, you know, some of them, they're very removed. They're a farmer, you know, and they sell their seed to the production house that then does the extraction process. Then the extraction process is the broker for the oil who, ser- who then supplies the manufacturing. And then, you know, so there's a whole chain.
1: But also, if you have locals, you cut down the expenses as far as traveling, you know, and everything. Yes,
0: absolutely. I mean, what we did was we have recently launched something called the Ecovada's um, Environmental Assessment. It's an online tool. And anybody that works with us in our value chain has to complete the Ecovada's certification. Mm -hmm. And if it's not at the result that passes, we will look for an alternative supplier.
1: Sometimes we can get lost trying to navigate the cosmetics landscape from organic to natural and or ecologically responsible. What do you think contributes to skincare that respects both the skin and the planet?
0: Yeah, as I said, it's, it's hugely complex. And at LMS, it's a balanced approach. You know, we're about combining the best of science and nature. And that's where, you know, we were saying that you can actually grow something in a lab very sustainably without damaging the soil or, or the earth, which might be better growing crops for food. So I think it's all about a balance, you know, I think we have to be very responsible. Um, and we have to make sure that, you know, we're not over farming certain areas. And I'm, you know, learning quite a lot about all of this through the Lotstan Group because they do many projects on growing their almonds in a sustainable way and growing their lavender and, and how they grow it and the space they leave between the trees and and it's not easy when you're growing organically, you think it's so easy, but actually, you know, it only takes one type of species to come in and attack that plant that this, it's got nothing to protect it. So it's it's tough, you know, when you, if you go down that complete organic route, it's, it's very hard. It's very limiting. There's very few ingredients that you can then use. So it's a balanced approach of, of organic materials materials that are that are grown in nature. We have organic rose farms in Hertfordshire, but we also grow a beautiful borage and Echium. And there they they, they can't grow it organically. They struggle to grow it organically.
1: I saw this amazing picture of yours with some farmers growing lavender. And mm. it was a beautiful picture, really. Yeah, that was in, in France, in Provence, yes. So in terms of that, because I saw you in the frame, you know? Yeah. What has your relationship with nature been over the years? And uh, what were some of the key learnings from your own path to creating a more sustainable path or, you know, rule? as far as your life, not just... Yeah, the well, I, I, you know, I have a, I,
0: I came from a, a family where, where my grandfather was a grower in Holland. And he grew different species of daffodils and iris. And flowers, and he would create new varieties. So he launched an iris called Professor Blau, and we would go to Kokenhof, which is the the botanical gardens of, of Amsterdam. So we would see his creations of these. So we always spent my childhood in Holland. We spent in his greenhouses amongst all the lilies. So I have that strong. I can smell those lilies. I can. So I grew up with a massive passion. My mother as well continues she, she grows uh, she has green fingers so always surrounded by nature always fascinated by nature and always very respectful of nature and I suppose you know as I've got more involved with elements and it's grown I've, I've really felt a sense of responsibility now that what we're doing we need to be very aware of in terms of climate change and nature and what's going on and pollution and we can see the change i mean i was in, going walking in the park on saturday and everything's in bloom
1: it's not normal
0: it's not normal so we are we're all aware there's there's serious changes going on ahead uh you know there's floods there's fires there's and we as a, a, a as a race will need to adapt and change and evolve and what we have to be mindful of is is you know, not to destroy some of the things like the bee population declining, you know, these are big, big issues and that we're going to have to really be very conscious of. And I think I've been very fortunate that now I feel that we can really push Elemis to the next level. And it's an exciting time for the brand to be able to take control and with the support of Lotstone Group as well, who've been incredibly supportive, we can really change the way that we're doing our business and ensure that
1: we're more sustainable and that
0: we're more thoughtful in what we're
1: doing. So uh, let's say what is the vision for LMS and sustainability over the next three years? Our vision
0: is to be the most sustainable premium British brand and there are not many luxury brands out there that have conquered that so that's my mission. It might take more than three years, might, might even be five but you know we'll push for three. And what we did was we went out to our employees and we asked them to look at the sustainable development goals of the United Nations. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we wanted to do is engage our community and our employees. And we said, which of the SDGs resonate with you? Which of the sustainable development goals? And the, the whole company selected six. Good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality, responsible consumption and production, and climate action, and life low water. So we form those six pillars. So everything we do, we focus around those SDGs. And then the next piece we're looking at is how we champion a circular economy. And we're really looking at focusing on the five R's. Mm-hmm. So everything from what can we remove? The first thing we did was like, we can remove spatulas. Okay, luxury needs spatulas, but actually when you speak to somebody, they just throw them in the bin. It's a single-use plastic, the spatulas. That right. used to we said, we'll get rid of them. If people want them, we'll develop a, a more sustainable wooden version or something, that a cardboard version that they can use. So we immediately got rid of spatulas. That was instant. That was 1.7 tonnes of plastic gone. What else could we remove? We could remove the leaflets that we had, all the translations of all the different languages. Ugly. We don't need it anymore. We can have a QR code. We don't need it. Again, that was gone. That was 4.2 million leaflets gone, saving on 13 tons of paper. So we started with the the remove. Then we're starting to look at reduce. And even today I was in a meeting and when they were like, can the box be bigger? And I'm like, no, the box is as small as possible with as little airspace to make it as small as beautiful. Whereas in early days of beauty, it was all about big and shelf presence and making everything as big as possible. Now it's as small as possible. So it's about removing, uh, reducing, reusing. I have a big piece of work going on about how we can start to get into the reusability of jars and bottles and really looking at that. Refill, um, I'll tell you a little bit more about the refill yeah, system that we're looking at.
1: QR code, that's that's what you're doing, which is yeah. a fantastic idea, not just because you're doing it, but also because it's shareable. I mean, it's yes. energetic collaboration within the same industry.
0: Yeah. And the, the last R is actually recycle. So we don't really, the last thing we want to be doing is recycling we want to remove as much reduce as much reuse as much refill as much and that circular economy where possible i mean the vision would be to have i was thinking about the most beautiful keepsake jar that you just keep refilling but it's maybe it's out of steel maybe it's out of something you know we've got some projects working on really thinking outside of the box of of how we should be doing business in the future And so that's quite key. Talking about the three-year vision is is making sure that all our supply chain is engaged in the way we're thinking. And we're also in the middle of going through the B Corp process, which is all about business as a force for good. And business is, is important. You need the profit to be able to put back into your business. But it's also about the planet and the people. And so we have a, a big work stream going through it to really drive that. And I'm hoping that we will be able to apply for B Corp status sometime this year, which will be amazing.
1: Um, last question. After university, you traveled the world. What's the best advice you were given whilst you were on your travels? And how has that impacted the way you do things in your personal and professional life?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, traveling for me was the best thing I I did. Uh, I finished university. I did a business degree with French and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was always fascinated in alternative therapy. So I did. I studied in Thailand. I studied traditional Thai massage. But you know what? We set off three girls. We went to India first. We traveled all on our own. This is 20, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. India, Nepal, on every bus, in every... We tr- climbed up the Himalayas on our own. We didn't even have a guide. We went through Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, and then eventually we got to Australia. Uh, no money in our pockets. For me, it taught me real values about people. And mm. you know, when you also when you see that level of poverty around you, you really, really appreciate. You appreciate that we have just clean water in a tap. That we have medicine. We have food and we have a roof over our heads it it was quite shocking sometimes when in places like India and Nepal where you would see real poverty and and it made me very humble really Um, and I think one of my biggest learnings actually was in a developed country was in Australia and I was literally arrived I didn't have much money we went to work in a factory and we were Kimberling. I don't know if, that's when, if you even know where that is. We were working in a jeans factory and the containers were coming in and we had to click the label onto the jeans. it's called Kimberling. And we were working early in the morning, really late at night. And there was a team and we'd have a break and a chat. And one day the owners walked through and they treated us so badly. So no respect for those people. And I sat back and I thought, One thing I've learned is whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever your job is, if it's cleaning toilets or Kimballing in the factory, you respect people at every level. And being treated like that really made me realize, whatever anyone does in this world is, you have to respect them. And, And that was a big learning curve for me. And just those cultures and respecting different cultures and how we as humans, you know, need to interact and and love each other really.